Hey, this is Chandler and welcome to episode five of the Stop to Think podcast. For episode five, I figured we might as well talk about something that I think is an interesting topic to think about at least, but it might prove to be a little divisive. So with that in mind, I'm going to do my best to maintain a neutral stance. So by now, you guys are probably wondering what exactly I'm about to declare as the topic of episode five. So place your bets. If you guessed censorship, then you're right on the money. So this is a bit of a current event, current events episode. As many of you are probably well aware, if you're following American politics and I guess, uh, the news in general, you'll notice that recently in the aftermath of the events we discussed in episode one, the storming of the Capitol, we ended up seeing President or soon to be ex-President Trump get his social media privileges revoked, to say the least. And it kind of sounds in some cases like he might even be permanently banned from these platforms. And honestly, that's kind of like an interesting choice for the social media companies. Now, once again, like I said in episode one, violence is bad. Don't hurt other people. I don't condone any forms of violence. And in regards to President Trump, he definitely should not have said the things that he did say. But at the same time, if you take an honest look at the situation, it's also pretty clear that he didn't explicitly order about the uh, siege on the Capitol we saw. Because he also at a few different points, clearly stated that um, the protesters should go home and that they should be peaceful, et cetera, et cetera. And ultimately, I don't really care about the politics that are involved with the issue. And I definitely don't really have strong feelings for President Trump at this point. For the record on him, I think Trump could have had the potential to be a fantastic president if he would have focused on the job and maybe avoided getting bogged down in the nearly constant fights that he decided to pick with pretty much everyone who disagreed with him at any point in time whatsoever. But at the same time, I understand that that's one of the main reasons why so many of his supporters liked him so much was because he was willing to fight those fights and Basically, uh, as Ben Shapiro calls him, who's a mud monster and wasn't afraid to wrestle and get everyone else dirty. But President Trump aside, his demise or whatever you want to call that situation isn't really what I'm interested in. What I'm interested in is the censorship aspect of what kind of happened to him. So obviously as a quick recount, and this is as I understand the situation, so granted I definitely might be missing details at this point, and I most likely don't have a complete understanding of the whole entire situation as well, but I would say that I probably have 
just as good of an understanding as like the average American does at least. So with that in mind, obviously he said some things that were stupid and in poor taste and poorly timed. And then as a result, evidently because of a fear of more violence being incited, he got kicked off these platforms. And then following that whole entire mess, it sounds like Parlor, an app I've never actually used myself, but from what I understand, another social media platform that's primarily known for like its complete and utter lack of censorship. Once again, never browsed it myself, have no idea what they're about, haven't looked at it beyond just kind of seeing it in the news, but evidently after Trump kind of experienced his social media withdrawal, um, Parler was apparently like booted from Amazon servers or something like that. And overall, that was kind of an interesting choice because it kind of sets up something that I don't think the companies who are doing the booting are really thinking through. And I might very well get booted for even talking about this, but that would actually just prove my point with this podcast episode, to be completely honest. But um, if you think about the nature of censorship, there are kind of a couple of interesting things that come to light. So in the case of like social media, so let's say that you have like a social media platform or a public forum or a public area. It could be a bar, it could be social media, it could be a town square, anywhere where people gather to talk. And let's say that um, you have a power moderating this public gathering place. Well, what do you think happens when the power doing the moderating starts kicking people out of the public square? Well, if you're in a dystopian setup, like, you know, Nazi Germany, we'll say, in the 1940s, when you get kicked out of the public square, you're probably dead. So in that case, uh, problem solved. If uh, murdering people is your definition of solving problems. But since we haven't descended to that level yet, and hopefully we never will, when you kick someone out to the public square in this day and age, it's not like they disappear. They're still alive. They still exist. They still have a voice. You're just kind of muffling them from being able to talk amongst people out in the open where you can see it. And so obviously the natural consequence of that is they're not going to stop talking just because you kicked them out of the public forum. They're going to go find somewhere else to talk. They're going to start talking under the table, so to speak. So basically um, how this ties to this whole entire situation. If you have a platform and you start arbitrarily. Now, granted, it's a bit different if you universally apply your moderation rules but assuming you don't and you start arbitrarily kicking people off because they disagree with you or they're doing stuff that you don't like but that's not necessarily wrong or something like that 
what you're going to do is you're basically going to drive these people off your platform. And if enough of these people are driven off your platform, they still got to do their talking somewhere. So they're either going to create a new platform where they can discuss without your tyranny being present to hamper their discussions, or they're going to find some other workaround. And so when that kind of happens, you as a moderator of your public forum now lose visibility on the undesirable elements who are discussing things in your public forum. So let's take like white supremacy for an example, because I think we can all agree that any form of racism is incredibly bad and that um, everyone should be judged on the contents of their character and not by their skin color, race, nationality, sexual orientation, etc. In other words, all that matters is what's in your heart. But um, we'll use racism for our example here. Let's say that um, you have a band of racists who are active on a forum on your site. Well, at least when they're jabbering on your forum on your site, yeah, sure, they might be corrupting a bit of the public discourse, but at least you as the site moderator still have full visibility on what they're saying. You know what their communications are. You can monitor them. You can engage them and try and drag them back into the, the center of the forum, the mainstream. You can try and basically convert them from their toxic ideology into something that's at least less toxic, if not outright benign and acceptable. Whereas if you go ahead and boot these people off your form and exclude them from the public discourse, if they're completely isolated and they can't talk to each other, well then fine, that would, that might just work. They might be isolated then. And I guess you'd have to worry about them going lone dog and lashing out against society or something like that. But if they aren't isolated and they can talk with each other, well, now you've just created a new problem where you have these undesirable elements talking about stuff you don't want them talking about in a place that you don't have visibility on anymore. So basically you have no idea what your undesirables are now up to and you have no idea what they're communicating and you've now isolated them. So there's no way to potentially influence them or try and convert them back into people who can be like accepted and a successful integrated member of society. And so that's one very real consequence of deciding to censor people. If you're going to do it unilaterally and just like start targeting people and kicking them off your platform, if they take their following with them, ultimately all you've done is deprive yourself of intelligence. Because now you don't know what's going on and they're still probably going to get their word out. And all you've accomplished is basically hindering yourself. So that's like one consequence, one consequence that I don't think is being thought of. I don't think they're stopping to think about what's going to happen if they start kicking off people they don't agree with or people who hold differing views. If we want to play this out long term, and just say that we continue to perpetuate a culture of intolerance towards other people's ideas and intolerance towards ideas we don't agree with. 
the end result is going to be like a sifting in a sense is you'll basically uh, I'm pretty sure there I've definitely I've heard of this being talked before and I think there might even be terminology for it but I don't know it off the top of my head basically polarization is the word that comes to mind where people in the middle gravitate towards the edges of the spectrum until eventually you have a split where you have half a country who completely and utterly irrevocably disagrees with the other half. And then once you get to that point, what's your path to reconciliation? What's your path to healing? There isn't really one because as soon as you lose that common dialogue between both of the sides, there's no longer any force that's trying to pull them back together. And once that happens, you're kind of out of luck. And that's the very real risk of these larger tech companies starting to censor people that they don't agree with or censor people who they think are undesirable instead of like providing opportunities to kind of like try and engage these people in dialogues and try and pull them back into the mainstream. Polarization is bad. We don't want to have we want a normal distribution in our population. We want the majority of people to agree about the majority of stuff. And then we can tolerate fringe elements who are radicals basically because the majority is capable of diluting the radical ideas into something that's not going to irrevocably destroy society. But if you end up with two polarized sides who are both radicalized you're basically tugging at the cloth and it's only a matter of time until the fabric rips and you end up in a disastrous mess. So gloom and doom aside, reason one, I guess, against censorship is the loss of intel, the loss of the ability to see what you're, the people you're censoring are talking about and thinking about, and then Reason two would basically be destroying the bridge that bridges the two sides and allows compromise and working together to even take place. Beyond that, the third reason why I kind of think these large companies aren't thinking through their approach to censoring the parties that disagree with is like it kind of goes back to that spectrum and example so like let's say you start censoring people and you keep censoring people until eventually you've driven away all of the people you disagree with right well guess what happens it's kind of like a magnet with uh, the science background I have, that's the first example that comes to mind. But really any example of like a ruler would be another good example or a piece of string. A piece of string is always going to have a left side and a right side. A stick is always going to have a left side and a right side. If you cut the stick in half, well, guess what? You just cut off the right side. But now the new half of the stick has a new right side and a new left side. So if you keep trying to cut off the right side, you're just going to get a smaller and smaller stick. And that's ultimately what happens when you start practicing radical censorship of your opponents. 
you repeatedly cut off the people you disagree with and you continue to do cutting and pretty soon people who used to agree with you now disagree with you. AKA the more radical element, which is usually the one who's in favor of cutting off people and being intolerant cuts off the least radical element and they're left with the moderate radical element and the most radical element. And this is getting confusing. So I apologize, but I don't know a better way to explain this without pictures. And as you can imagine, pictures and podcast formats are kind of difficult to pull off. So bear with me. But um, anyway, so you start out with a stick and you cut it in half to get rid of the moderate right side of the stick. So now you're left with the uh, left side of the stick, which has the radical element, which is you and the middle of the old stick, which is now the new moderate. Well, given enough time, your new moderate is eventually going to be more moderate and your new radical will probably get more radical. And then you're going to cut the stick off again. And you're going to repeat this over and over again until you ultimately drive away everyone who had even the slightest semblance of common interest with you. And that's kind of where I see things going with this Orwellian censorship push where you have people who are moderating the public form and deciding, you know, what's acceptable and what's not. So long as they're doing that, eventually they're going to drive out to everyone they disagree with. And then of the people they disagree with or of the people they agree with, they're going to find people they disagree with over stuff. And they're going to drive those ones out too. And it's just going to repeat endlessly until you've basically torn apart your whole entire coalition. So that's the third big problem I see with censorship is you end up ultimately tearing yourself apart as you continually apply censorship, continually apply self-division, continually try and apply basically removing what you're considering to be impurities in your group. Beyond that, on the topic of these uh, social media giants who are, I guess, perpetrating the largest amount of, or the most visible, the most talked about kind of the censorship, they're kind of in a precarious place because how I understand section 230 Obviously, internet companies kind of have free game for whatever content is on their site, so long as they're just a content poster, pretty much like a not a poster, is in like like a message board. No, that's not the right word either. Like a public form. So so long as like Facebook is just serving to like display what other people are posting, Facebook isn't responsible for what's posted the people who are posting it are responsible. But as soon as Facebook starts moderating who can post what and what's acceptable, that's I think where people start having a beef with section 230 because 
230 was meant to protect these companies from liability if some idiot posted something that was stupid or in poor taste or illegal even. But the problem is, is that only works if they're being fair and impartial forms that allow everyone to post equally. If they're going to start moderating posts and deciding what can and what can't be posted as private companies, they have a right to do that. But that's kind of where Section 230 breaks down because they don't necessarily have a right to be liability free if they're moderating what can and cannot be posted. If they're deciding what's being published, then they should be responsible for what's being published ultimately. And the consequences of this are kind of far reaching in a sense. And the best example I can think of is the silence voices. So I guess if you're going to have a site and you're no longer going to function as just an open message board and instead you're going to kick people out as you see fit, if something you allow to exist on your site doesn't kicked out, should you be liable for that? So like, let's say for an example, you run a social media company and you decide to, you know what, you're left leaning. So you don't want anything to do with conservatives. So you kick out all conservative posters on your site. And now you just have left leaning stuff on there. And then let's say that one of your left-leaning posters posted something that was like criminally factually inaccurate that misled a bunch of people and resulted in like we'll say like a loss of life or something like that are you now the social media provider responsible for the damages that resulted from that because you didn't moderate even though you'd been moderating all this other content on the same grounds of that it could potentially cause problems for people out in the real world? The answer is kind of no. And I personally don't really have much of a dog in this fight because I kind of think that overall more regulation is bad because the problem with regulating from a governance standpoint, from a human standpoint, and like an, a science, like when I think of this, I'm thinking of my manufacturing experiences, but it kind of applies more broadly than that. But basically, whenever you measure something, there's no such thing as a perfect part. There's no such thing as a perfect system. There's no such thing as a perfect post. There's no such thing as anything perfect. So whenever you measure something, you find out what degree of imperfection it has, and then you apply a tolerance to it that indicates what is and what isn't acceptable. So in the public forum, if you're going to have a person, an imperfect person, or an imperfect algorithm, or, or an imperfect artificial intelligence, whatever the case may be, 
And honestly, now I'm thinking about it, an artificial intelligence would probably be the closest thing we'd get to fairness here, assuming it was programmed fairly. But even if it wasn't programmed fairly, at least you could count on the AI to always follow the rules that, well, I guess so long as it's not like a general AI that's capable of like self-programming. So long as it can't change its own rules, you can count on a computer to always follow the rules that it's been given. But when humans are involved, and in the case of government regulation, humans are involved. In the case of most social media regulation, humans are involved. Whenever humans are involved, you have judgment calls. And let's not pretend that all those judgment calls are going to be the right call. In a lot of cases, you're going to have situations that are right on that tolerance for what's acceptable. And the people making the judgment calls might make the wrong call. And they might kick something out that should have been left in. And if you have this happening enough, and if you have a bias inherent in this, you're going to start seeing a pretty major exclusion effect taking place. And that exclusion effect is ultimately going to represent itself as an inefficiency in the system. So that's kind of why we should be allowed in most cases to just self-regulate with social media. I kind of think our best bet would be to go back to the open form approach and then just allow filters pretty much. Like if you don't want to see these people, if you don't want to see this kind of posts, these kind of posts make a feature that filters it, but don't censor, don't cut off, don't, prevent people from being able to talk to anyone at all. That doesn't really solve the echo chamber problem though, because I kind of actually saw this with my Reddit account back in 2016. I, um, naturally we were gearing up for Trump round one and the majority of the Reddit accounts that I followed were more tech science based slash interesting thoughts. But all of a sudden our politics started infiltrating everything that I was trying to look at. And so eventually I filtered all that out and stuck just to my um, preferred subreddits. But over time, what I ultimately found happening to myself is that I was completely out of the loop. I had no idea what was going on. And I was basically living in an echo chamber of positive engineering, happy thoughts. while the world around me was filled with inflammatory remarks and derogatory social discourse and all kinds of nastiness. Was it to my benefit that I missed out on that? Probably to a certain extent. But it's one of those things where you kind of want to condition yourself for the environment that you actually have to live in. So if you can head in your sand, head in, head in the sand yourself indefinitely, well then there's no consequence to that. But if you ever are in a situation where you're going to have to pull your head back out of the sand, that's kind of when you can't afford to be deluding yourself into thinking that reality isn't what it actually is. But anyway, all that fun fun aside, moral of this whole entire episode is that uh, freedom of speech is a First Amendment right. 
It's a founding principle in the United States. It's what makes us Americans. As soon as we stop talking to each other, that's kind of when we've lost all hope. And we're rapidly approaching that point where we've stopped talking to each other. So we really need to reverse that. And the way you do that is at an individual level by reaching out to people and being kind, generous, and open with your opinions and loving to a certain extent. Because that's about all you can do is you got to extend the olive branch and you got to try and work with the people you disagree with. And if they don't want to do that, then it's pretty much on them. But at least you tried. And more often than not, if you reach out in kindness, most people will respond in accordance with that. You'll get get the same response you extend. So, yeah. I think this is a good point to wrap up this episode. Censorship is bad. Talk with people and don't let them take away your freedom of speech. Because if we can't talk to people, if we can't talk to each other, then we're basically all alone. And that's no fun. So until next time, this was episode five of Stop to Think. Hope you enjoyed it. And... We'll see you soon.